Yes, I think we've established your concern. What? Now, if you wouldn't mind. You want me to go away? <clears throat> What's the matter? I'll get you a tea, shall I? No. Would you like a donut? No, thank you. An eclair? Now, what am I? A schoolboy whose moods may be purchased by confectionery? Haven't you got reporting to be doing? I see. You see, I doubt it, though we may hope. How may I put it in words you will understand? Um, leave me alone, will you? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. <clears throat> yes, sir? I require lunch. Yes? <laughs> It is quite expensive, sir. You think I look like a tramp and I can't pay? Uh, no, sir. I can pay. Is your tongue fresh? I've never had any complaints. A plate of tongue, then. And I'll wash it down with a bottle of Bollinger. Uh, Bollinger, sir? Tongue and champagne. Ideal for a celebration. I'm on my way to meet a man who is going to feel disposed to share his huge fortune with me. Oh, congratulations. So I thought... Why not? Uh, indeed. Your name? Uh, Tremble. I'm Kershaw. William Kershaw. Bring a glass for yourself, Tremble. Uh, you're very generous. And my umbrella. Your... My gap. Dredged to the ribs. I'll put it in the back parlour. If you wouldn't mind. My pleasure. What's wrong with him? He came in and sort of slumped down... I went up to him. Yes? This is after half an hour. I was acting on orders. The manageress. I told him he couldn't sit here all day without partaking of refreshment. And how did he take it? Well, that's it. Normally at that point he treats me to a mouthful. Surely not. Oh, he dresses it up. You can't fault him for politeness, but underneath he's having a go. But this time? But this time... And I won't pretend it hasn't worried me. He apologised. He says he's sorry he isn't feeling so good. My God. So I left him. I'm not throwing him out. Let her do it. She'll deal with me if she tries. I'll get some tea and what's your special today? Lemon love cake. 
Right. I'll see what I can do. I wake up this morning, Tremble. I wake up. I go downstairs. Wife's still asleep. And there on the mat, a letter. And in that letter, news that will change my life. <laughs> Here's to tramps. Cheers. Cheers. Dear sir, referring to my letter of a few weeks ago, I wish to inform you that the Zarko Silo will touch at Tilbury on Tuesday next, the 10th. If you like, you may meet me at Fenchurch Street Station in the first-class waiting room in the late afternoon. Since I surmise that after thirty years' absence my face may not be familiar to you, I may as well tell you that you will recognise me by a heavy astrakhan coat, which I shall wear, together with a cap of the same. You may then introduce yourself to me, and I will personally listen to what you may have to say. Won't you have some tea? I'm worried about you. What is it? Is it something you're working on? Is it a case? Tell me. What would be the point? It is a case, then. Yes. Tell me. Tell me. Porter, sir. Luggage in the cab, please. Sir. Anywhere I can find a glass of wine? Uh, refreshment room. Still open? Oh, yes, sir. You'll take a sixpence. Thank you. Tell the cab to wait. Sir. Two men arrange to meet. It is a bitter night in December. London at her least lovely. An impenetrable fog emanating from the frozen river. That night, one of them will not return home. Go on, madam. He went out yesterday afternoon. And where was he going? To meet someone. Who? Someone he knew. Name of this person? Francis Smethurst. They were going to meet at Fenchurch Street Station at about six o'clock. That's what he told me. And what does your husband look like? Well, he's... he's not exactly... It's, he looks like a tramp. Long beard, which he doesn't look after. His hair's long. Wearing? Some old grey trousers and a black jacket. And you've not seen him since? No. And your husband's name, madam? William Kershaw. I feel that I have entered a completely darkened room. Why? For the first time in my life. You look frightened. Yes. Yes, I suppose I am. Call me, do me, darling, for me heart's an open My wife. My arms are open. Rest in peace. Would never touch our lick. Many an occasion we would have words on this subject. George, uh, give us an hand to pull this off. <laughs> she, she says to me, look at you. And a drunk. So I says, half a slime, Well, they'll be rotten. So I says, what is that thing? 
Spots got all that. You mad? That's a stink. It ain't spots. Oh, I can't smell nothing. Just your lamp. What's that? It ain't no spud. A dead nor what? <laughs> Good boots, George. Cover the bloody thing. I think my beer's coming up. Cover it, George. Oh. His throat had been cut, and after three weeks in the barge... How was his wife? They didn't let her see him. There was no point. His ring, his watch, and his pocketbook told her all she needed to know. Now, Smithhurst was arrested. Why? Because he was the last person to see Kershaw alive, and because he had a motive. Here, I made a copy. I may add that your preposterous demands for money are wholly unwarrantable. I have already helped you quite as much as you deserve. However, for the sake of old times, I am willing to once more let you impose upon my good nature. After thirty years' absence, I now wish to return to the old country. But remember, I am the last man in the world to submit to blackmail. I am, sir, yours truly, Francis Smithhurst. Blackmail? Yes. What? I've been over this, Polly. You think I haven't? Over and over. Perhaps there's something no. more... My universe, the governing principle of my universe, is not perhaps. I see. There are those who have faith and those who doubt. I am neither. You haven't told me everything. But what I know is of no use. I attended court. Now, there must have been something from the beginning. That attracted you? Yes. I don't see the problem. You will. Mrs. Kershaw, would you tell the court the occasion on which you last saw your husband? He, uh... I was in bed early. He came in. He was holding a letter. A letter? He was smiling. We're rich. Are we, dear? How do you measure it? Huh? Compared to whom? We're very rich. You are holding a letter. This is it. Our passport to wealth. Best let me read it. Have I uh, mentioned this Smithhurst before? Hmm? Uh, someone from your past? No, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, Thirty years ago, I shared lodgings with two others down in Clerkenwell. Fellow named Dodds and the other... Smithhurst? Yes. Uh, Dodds was a gambler. Horses. One day he runs home. His horse has come in. Jackpot. And again, the court were invited to imagine the dirty flat, the faces swollen with greed. Forty to one. That little darling, forty to one. How much? Five thousand. What are you going to do with it? Spend it. It's an idea, isn't it, Smethurst? It's an idea. Well, well, we wish you joy. We wish you long life and joy. But Dodd's portion was to be neither joyful nor long-lived.
It was my husband found Dodds. He was... he was dead. His money was gone and Smethurst with it. After that, my husband heard nothing from Smethurst for several years, and then a letter arrived, from New York it was, asking my husband for a loan. Your husband gave him money? Well, lent it, he thought. I mean to a man whom the police had decided was the chief suspect in a murder case? Yes, that's what my husband was like. Go on. The next he heard was a letter from Russia, Siberia. Smethurst was doing very nicely, trading in furs or something. He returned my husband's money and said that if he ever needed any help, he only had to ask. And nobody was thinking about poor Dodds then with the smashed skull? I suppose they weren't. By then, my husband had... It had turned around. He was the one who needed a loan. A loan? Yes. That's all it was. And Mr. Smethurst understood it to be a loan? Mrs. Kershaw? I don't know what he understood. I'll tell you what he understood. He understood, as we would have understood, that your husband was blackmailing him. Told him, no doubt, that he would tell the police where Smethurst could be found. Your husband had seen a meal ticket. Had seized it. For 30 years. Until that evening on December the 10th, when he met your husband and murdered him. Then I don't understand. What? What it is that's worrying you. Smethurst was released. The case collapsed. He did it. He did do it. What was his defence? <clears throat> what am I? What do you mean? What, Polly? You... What do I do? You solve crimes. You find answers. You think. Yes, I think. Well, my thoughts have failed me. What is it? Now, listen to me. I feel as though I'm in a foreign country where I can no longer understand the language, eh? They... It's as though I can't... I can see people's mouths moving, but it doesn't mean anything. It's just a meaningless jabbering that... that fills the air. Mr. Buckland, you were on duty as a porter at Fenchurch Street Station on the evening of December the 10th last, is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. Would you tell the courts what you saw on that evening? Uh, six o'clock, the 505 from Tilbury comes in. A man calls me and tells me to find a cab for his luggage. Could you describe this man? Uh, tall, uh, wearing a fur coat and uh, the same sort of hat. A fur hat? Yeah. Looked like a foreigner. Tall, like an army officer. Do you see that man in court today? Yes, sir. Over there. May it be recorded the witness indicated the defendant, Francis Smethurst. Please continue. So, I get him a cab, load his luggage on, and for which he gives me a sixpence, and he says he... he asked me, can he get a drink? Uh, wine, he wanted. I show him the refreshment room, and off he goes. Did he tell the cabbie when he would return? No, I got the impression he'd be right back. But you were wrong. When did he come back? Nine o'clock. No, just before nine o'clock. I, I was chatting with the cabbie when he comes back. You are referring to the prisoner Smethurst? Yeah. At six o'clock, Smethurst departs and does not return until nearly three hours later. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Do you need a rest? Do you think... You see, usually our customer, our customer as it were, 
A certain puzzle is set, and after a cosy exchange of views, me somewhat patronising but not unkind, and you earnest and intelligent, I spring it on you. The solution. Puzzle solved. Trick accomplished. You buy me a cake? It's a pleasant diversion. What's wrong with that? It isn't going to happen this time. I have tried to tell you. I have entered a different country, crossed over the border, and Polly, there is nothing I recognise. Let me... Let me help. No. I can't bear this. I can't bear to see you... Defeated? Unhappy. You think I care about happiness? Another word. Meaningless. No, it's not. Meaningless. Mrs Graham, you were in the cafeteria of Fenchurch Street Station on the evening of December the 10th, is that so? Yes, I was. Speak up. I was there. And you were having a cup of tea? Yes. And did you see the defendant? Yes. Please go on, Mrs Graham. Well, he came in and stood at the counter, ordered a drink, and, and then a man came in and went up to him. So you could hear what was being said between these two men? Oh, yeah. Could you describe the other man? Scruffy. Um, one of those long beards. A um, bit like a tramp, really. So he says... Court will note this tallies with the photograph we have of William Kershaw as well as his wife's description. Do go on, Mrs Graham. These two men were talking, yes. I got the impression they were greeting each other, that they hadn't seen each other for a long time. The scruffy one says him, you look well, or something like that. And the prisoner, Mr Smethurst, how did he react? Not so pleased to see the other one. The scruffy one asked him for a drink, but he says, I've got a cab waiting, let's settle. Let's settle. Mm. And that's, they went out together then. Thank you. Sir Arthur, my lord, Mrs. Graham, how do you earn your living? My, my living? Mm, your income. How do you earn your income? I sew. I take in sewing. I wash. Were you, and you'll excuse me if I'm wrong, but were you not earning your living on the evening of December the 10th? In the refreshment room at Fenchurch Street? No. Uh, did you not approach my client? I... I might have asked him for the time. No, 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 Mrs Graham. Did you approach him in your professional capacity? I'm a respectable You're a woman. prostitute, aren't you? And you were soliciting. Yes or no? Mrs Graham? The barmaid in the refreshment room is prepared to sign an affidavit to the effect that she has many times seen you approaching men in and around the station. Are you a prostitute or are you not? Yes. It doesn't mean that I I'm not... I have no further questions of this witness. To... to show she was an unreliable witness? Hmm. Was she telling the truth? I don't know. How did he get Smethurst off? It couldn't just have been that. No. Oh, no. This was just the hors d'oeuvre. He had his alligator eye on a larger meal. You are Edward Tremble, and you are an employee at the Torriani Hotel in Cooper Square, London. Is that correct? Y yes, sir. Can you tell the court when you first saw Mr. William Kershaw? Uh, December the 10th. You're sure of that? Oh, of course I'm sure. It's m my mother's birthday. And how old is she? Uh, she's 82. 82? 
too. You must be very proud of her. I am. Sir Arthur. Yeah, very good, my lord. I just wanted to establish that uh, Mr. Tremble is very clear in his mind the date on which he saw Mr. Kershaw. And, of course, since it was the birthday of his dear mother, he would remember it. Very good. As indeed we all would. Now, what was the weather like? Uh, it was raining. Sir Arthur. If you'll bear with me, Your Honour. And so, on this day of torrential rain and family celebration, a man, let's just say that for the moment, entered your hotel, and what happened? Uh, he had something to eat uh, and a bottle of champagne, which he shared with me. A bottle of champagne? What time was this? About four, five o'clock, something like that. He said he was celebrating. He was going to meet someone who would make him rich. Could you describe the man? He looked hard up. It didn't look as though we could afford a visit to a barber. <laughs> you know that sort. Uh, he was polite, but he looked hard up. Uh, he paid, no problem. And he gave you his name? Uh, William Kershaw. And then? Uh, we drank the wine. He asked me to put his umbrella somewhere to dry. It was wet because it was raining, Your Honour. Thank you. I put it in the back parlour. An hour later he left, but he forgot the umbrella. He left it? Yes. At the hotel on December the 10th? Uh, yes. Was that the last time you saw him? Uh, no. Now think very carefully. The life of my client depends on it. On the 10th of December, he visited your hotel, and when he left, he forgot his umbrella. The next day, or rather the day after that, Mrs. Kershaw reported her husband missing. And two weeks after that, December the 26th, Two Thames lightermen discovered a body on their barge which Mrs. Kershaw identified from possessions on the body as that of her husband. Now, Mr. Tremble, when do you say you saw Mr. Kershaw for the second time? 16th of December. Are you absolutely certain of that? Sure. And the court will want to know, how can you be so certain? Because the decorators were in the hotel. The back parlour, we were having it papered, you know, and uh, I removed as well as furniture before they began this umbrella. Uh, Mr. Kershaw's umbrella? Yes. I checked my diary. They started on the 15th, and it was the next day that he came in. Remember me? Oh, yes, sir. You're the gentleman likes his tongue. I've come for my umbrella. <laughs> I thought you might return. I, I kept it in the bureau for you. Now, where did I put it? Ah, here it is. And did you get what you were after, sir? The fortune, the cash prize. I can't complain. Here, a guinea for you. Oh, Mr. Kershaw, you are most generous, sir. And who was the next witness? Smithhurst himself. Describe him. Like a seal. Prussian officer type. Tall. World-conquering look, unblinking stare, no hair on his head, on his chin. An imposing figure? In the dock, yes, perhaps. You are Francis Smithhurst, and until lately you were the director of a fur trading company in East Siberia. Is that so? That is so. Could you tell the court your connection with William Kershaw? I swear I never knew him. I never met him. I have had no dealings with him. Let us then go to the testimony of his wife, Mrs. Eileen Kershaw. Her husband told her that some 30 years ago he shared lodgings with yourself and another man named Dodds. 
and that at that time you were using the name of Barker. Is that correct? No, it is not correct. And further, he told his wife that his flatmate Dodds was murdered, and his recent gambling winnings were stolen, and that at that time you, that is Barker, fled the country. I could not comment on any such events. Certainly it was not me. That is all I can tell you. In your own words, Mr. Smithhurst, in your own time, would you tell the court the events of that afternoon and evening of December the 10th? I had landed at Tilbury Dock and took the 505 train to Fenchurch Street Station. I have a glass of port. Yes, sir. Cold out, isn't it? Not as cold as where I've come from. Oh. Hello. Would you like to buy me a drink? Leave the gentleman, Aggie. It's only a drink. No. It's a drink, that's all. Not for me. Bit of conversation. Everyone needs a friend, don't they? I went outside. You left the refreshment room? Yes. I find such encounters depressing. But you are not to be left in peace? No. Perhaps there was something about me. These little signs. My astrakhan, perhaps. Made them think I was a wealthy foreigner. Fair game. Anyway, I was not, as you say, to be left in peace. Good evening to you. Evening. Kershaw the name. Uh, I've got to catch a cab. Yes, I wouldn't normally be bothering you, my friend. If you'll... It's just I'm, um, would you... Would you spare me five minutes? There's no... Uh, no, sir, no, sir, I am not begging. You understand? I am Kershaw, late of His Majesty's Infantry, where I served for 30 years. Does the name Rock's Crossing mean anything to you? No. I took a Zulu spear, sir, in the leg. I've served my country, and how am I treated? Can I tell you? A child abandoned on church steps by its mother was no worse treated than me by the country I have loved and served all these years. Well, I am not begging. Would you spare me ten minutes of your time, sir? What is it you want? Nothing, nothing, sir. Visit my house, see the empty cupboards, my own children, hungry. Be my witness. Then, if you judge me worthy, why, I will be forced to accept your generosity. I have a cab. All right. Follow, sir. Follow. And then you can tell me. So you followed this man out of the station? Yes. And he told you his name was Kershaw? That's right. Could you describe him? Scruffy, dirty coat, very long, unkempt beard, uh, same long hair. The whole appearance. He looked like a tramp. Where did he lead you? He said once or twice, just up here, it's just up here. And then I turned round and he'd gone. He'd left you? In the fog. I had no idea where I was. For two hours I wandered around. In fact, I have no idea how I got my way back to the station. Heard a train whistle, trusted to luck. Fortunately for me, my cab was still waiting for me. So, why would this man leave you? I assumed the whole thing was a pack of lies. I hadn't coughed up, and there was no home for me to see, so he... And you, you didn't know him? No, I'd never seen him before. You believed him? That wasn't the question. I waited, hoping I'd... I kept going back, tracing, tracing. Man meets man, Kershaw and Smithhurst. How? 
We don't know. And why? We don't know. Kershaw disappears. Six days later, he reappears in an hotel. Three weeks later, his body is found. So, Polly? So, Kershaw was killed after the 16th? Now, where was he then before the 16th? Well... It's the old game, isn't it, Polly? Logic says, I'll handle it. <laughs> like hell. Wait! Smethurst kills Kershaw and puts his body in the barge. Smethurst, you're saying, arranged to meet Kershaw in order to kill him? Yes, to free himself from blackmail. What? You say you didn't know Mr. Kershaw? No, that's right. But you'd arranged to meet him, hadn't you? No, I hadn't. You hadn't arranged to meet him? No. Then I am confused, because I have here a letter sent to Mr. Kershaw and signed by you. Yes, you but may, I... May I just finish? In the letter you refer to your boat, which will, and I read, touch at Tilbury on Tuesday next, the 10th, I shall land there and immediately go up to London. And is that what you did? Yes, but... Is what that you... what you did? Yes. You go on. If you like, you may meet me at Fenchurch Street Station in the late afternoon. And you did meet him there, didn't you? Didn't you? Yes. And you say you didn't know him. I didn't know him. That's correct. Whilst we have before us in your letter in black and white, quite clearly stated that you did know the man, that you were prepared to meet him, a meeting which duly took place. I didn't write these letters. What's your name? My name? Look, yes, look at these letters. Yes. This isn't my handwriting. I swear, I didn't write them. No! You see? Did you believe him? This wasn't a question of belief. What he said was confirmed by a handwriting expert. He hadn't written them. Impossible! Impossible actions do not occur in the field of the known. No, please! Our brains, isn't this the problem? Our brains always seek to remain with what they know. Poor brains. I'm not staying here. I'm not. I'm not! Hello, is that Mrs Eileen Kershaw? My name is Polly Burton. I'm a newspaper reporter. Yes. I wonder... I wonder if I could come and visit you. Hmm? Well, because I would like to write about... I know. I... Believe me, I would be very sensitive to... Good. Later this afternoon? Three? Five o'clock is better. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Smethurst. Ah, yes. Let me see. Uh, will we go somewhere? In here. No. All right. We'll walk. All right. So how have you been keeping? How are things in Vladivostok? We're not here for small talk. As you wish. I've paid you money, it seems, like all my life. You could afford it. Do you ever think of Dodds? No. It's wrong to kill. Didn't they tell you that when you were a child? I won't take morality lessons from you. Get to it, Kershaw. How much? Have I been a weight on your back? How much do you want? Not very much. Ah. We'll walk down to the river then, shall we? I'd rather we weren't seen together. 
I've begun to look from the back of the mirror. I've made an appointment. Start the journey at the end. Is the darkness creative? With Mrs Kershaw. Well, she'll tell you what you already know. I'm only interested in ignorance. What do you mean? What don't we know? I... What don't we know? What don't we know? Why do you keep on saying that? What we don't know is what we know. Our only certainty is ignorance. So? We don't know who killed Kershaw. Wait. We don't know if Kershaw is dead. Better. A body was found. Its face too far gone. It may have been Kershaw. It may not have been. Let us proceed deeper into the darkness. If it wasn't Kershaw, who would want us to think it was? Kershaw's murderer. We don't know if Kershaw has been murdered. You say... Or, put it another way, why would Kershaw's murderer go to the trouble of murdering someone else and making us believe it was Kershaw? Who would do this? Kershaw? And Kershaw was alive on the 16th, appeared ostentatiously at an hotel waving guinea tips, trying to be remembered. In whose interest was this appearance later to be so tellingly testified to by the manager of the hotel? Smurfhurst. It got him off. Oh, yes. So, Kershaw and Smethurst are in league. Planned it together. The whole thing. Letters forged so that Mrs Kershaw would think her husband had been contacted by Smethurst. The visits to the hotel. The dead body identified as Kershaw. Presumably Kershaw left the country, safe with his share of Smethurst's money. And... and... Yes? Why would Smethurst share anything at all with Kershaw? No reason. <sighs> All right. That little canter didn't get us very far, did it? The old game. We don't know if Kershaw is alive or dead. Now, let's contemplate that area of darkness. I want to drown in it. Polly, you're looking despondent. We don't know anything. No. We don't know what they said. No. We don't know where they walked. Go on. Nor what happened, nor who died, nor who came away afterwards. What is the, the least likely? The least likely? Why? Because that is what happened. Is this far enough? Further. It's cold by the river. Do you love the fog? I would not be seen with you. That's all right. I'm not affronted by your frankness. So, here. Mrs. Kershaw? Mrs. Kershaw? It's, uh, it's, it's Polly Burton. Hello? Tell me, then. How much of my blood will it take to leave me alone? What? Because you pay me to go dumb for you? To keep from telling the police that as a young man you smashed the skull of an innocent in order to provide yourself with a nest egg? <laughs> because of that? You paying me? You think you may despise the one who kept his silence? Silence is painful. Would you believe that on more than one occasion I would have forsaken money? for the pleasure of seeing you hanged. Blackmailer's justification. Don't preach to me, snake. I have my wallet. What do you want? Polly. 
I, um... Mrs. Kershaw? She wasn't there. Oh. Didn't you ask anybody else? A neighbour said a cab had come. She got into it. She had suitcases. She said there was a man in the cab. Most likely this man was... Her husband. Least likely? Smethurst. Mm, yes. What? What? Smethurst? If you asked her, uh, the neighbour, for a description... The man was in the back. Tall, military gait, and a head without hair. You asked her, didn't you? You said, what sort of coat was he wearing? Polly? It... Uh, she said it had a fur collar. And a hat of the same. Astrakhan. How did you know? I asked myself what was the least likely. You believe it was Smethurst? But... We've been over this. The reappearance at the hotel. The letter. It couldn't have been Smethurst. No. Well, that's right. But you're saying it is. Is that... What... What are you saying? Smethurst is dead. What? When? On the 10th of December. No. I don't understand. <clears throat> Kershaw and Smethurst meet at Fenchurch Street Station. The time and place agreed in Smethurst's letter. But it was a forgery. Uh, wait. They meet. They walk down to the river. Smethurst has come to pay Kershaw off. But Kershaw wants something more than money. He wants Smethurst's life. Blackmailer's justification. Don't preach to me, snake. I have my wallet. What do you want? I've done nothing. What? In my life. Never managed anything. Am I responsible? You never were going to do anything. I was going to be a doctor. I could have helped people. <laughs> Are you joking? No. I am an able person. What? Name one thing you can do. If it wasn't me, you'd have leached off someone else. You are a bloody parasite. You'd have spent your life drinking someone else's blood. What do you want? How much do you want? Then I can leave you. See this? I sold the other equipment years ago. But I hung on to the scalpel. I hoped it would have a purpose. Kershaw, you don't need that. I'm here to pay. You asked me how much blood I want, didn't you? The answer? I want it all. Please, please away, and then I'll take everything. That's impossible! Yes. Why? Smethurst is alive. What else? Kershaw is either dead or has disappeared. Last seen? 16th of December. Some sort of display, we thought, didn't we? Well, all right, but Smethurst was seen. The station porter, the cabbie. He was seen getting into the cab. He was taken to his hotel. What are we? No, please a don't. A tall man in an astrakhan coat and a fur hat, walking with the upright gait of a guard's officer, got into a cab and was taken to an hotel. No, uh, no, no, no. Smethurst was in the dock, defended by Sir Arthur Inglewood, photographed, seen by dozens, released, broad daylight, broad, broad daylight. 
Tell me, what did Smethurst look like? Tall? Upright gait. Uh, yes. Hairless. What exactly? What? No, no. No. Kershaw meets Smethurst at Fenchurch Street Station. They walk by the river. He cuts his throat and, under the cover of the forgetful fog, drags his body onto a barge and there conceals his victim under a shroud of tarpaulin. But even now, he has not finished the desecration of this human being. He strips the body naked, exchanging his own rags for Smethurst's more worldly attire, including the bespoke hat and astrakhan coat. Such luxury in death has no purpose, eh, Polly? And the penultimate touch in this dismal metamorphosis? To leave on Smithurst's body his own watch, his ring and his notebook. He knows that it is only by these possessions that the corrupt body will be identified. Finally, with the razor he has brought, he shaves himself, his head, his beard and his eyebrows. He walks with an upright gait back to the station and gets in the cab that is still patiently waiting for him. He waits to be arrested. What? He knows he will be arrested, as Smithurst. He knows he will be the chief suspect. He expects it and therefore must be confident that the case will collapse. He visits the Torriani Hotel. Six days after he has killed Smethurst. But the waiter... Yes? The waiter saw Kershaw. You said Kershaw had shaved his hair and beard off, had, had assumed Smethurst's appearance, that he did this on the 10th of December. So how could the waiter have seen Kershaw on the 16th? Fast-growing beard? Mm, in a sense. No doubt there is a toy shop in the area that sold a beard and wig to a tall, bald gentleman right about that time, mm -hmm. Two questions. Yes? When he said, in the dock, when Kershaw as Smether said that he didn't write the letters... That was no more or less than the truth. So the handwriting test he gave... Proved he hadn't written them. Of course he hadn't. Smethurst had. Mm, second question. Mrs Kershaw was in court. She'd have known it was a husband, wouldn't she? Yes, bound to have done. She was working with him? So... When you rang her today... It flushed her from cover. You wanted me to do that. You wanted... Why didn't you ask? Polly, you are a proud member of an independent press. Since when would you and take all orders? this... All this despair you treated me to. All this dark night of the detective's soul. More staged feeling. I see. Thank you very much. Sit down, please, Polly. Polly. You stayed with me. You drew near in my hour. Moral? Sometimes darkness may be our only light, but thank God for friends. And something else. A day entirely without cakes is a wasted day. Huh? <laughs> um, I'd better get some, then. Any particular... Oh, no. You know me. Anything that defies gravity and its ability to support quantities of cream. <laughs> Jam, sugar, anything along those lines. Right. Um, I'll see what I can do. Thank you, Polly. Oh.